This is Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. Welcome back to Education Matters. I'm Katie Olmsted, part of the communications team for the Ohio Education Association, which represents 120,000 K-12 teachers, education support professionals, and higher ed faculty members in the state. All of our members are under attack. Certain politicians doing the bidding of a national network of extremists are pushing dangerous legislation through the Ohio State House that would lead to teachers losing their licenses, schools losing state funding, and educators constantly defending themselves in court simply for providing an honest and reflective education that is needed for students to become critical thinkers today and strong leaders tomorrow. And it is truly the students who will be harmed if House Bill 327 is voted out of committee, as it very well may be in the coming days. That's why the group Honesty for Ohio Education says the time to mobilize is right now. We sat down with founding director Cynthia Peoples. Cynthia Peoples, thank you so much for sitting down to talk with us about all of this. Let's start with that 30,000-foot view. What is House Bill 327 and what is going on? Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, so House Bill 327 is what Ohio legislators are calling the divisive concept bills. And really what it does is restricts, censors, and prohibits um, honest education, discussion, and training around race, racism, sex, sexism, uh, xenophobia, um, now homophobia, and an honest reflection and examination of our nation's history and how that history continues to impact and shape the contours of our society today. Uh, Ohio is certainly not unique in having this coming through the state house. There is a national campaign to get bills like this passed across the country. Yes. In fact, um, at this point, at last I checked, there are at least 37 states out of our 50 that have introduced or passed uh, similar types of legislation, whether they're divisive concept bills, whether they're these bills um, claiming transparency in education and requiring K-12 educators to um, upload uh, all of their uh, curricula content syllabi, agenda, text, uh, textbooks online to their um, onto their district's website. Um, there is a whole slew of um, actions, and we're even seeing book bans um, as parallel tracks for this really attack against public education as we know it. Um, our 327 bill in the House, it's very broad and very dangerous in the sense that very recently it was amended to include K all K-12 schools. So we're talking about our publics, we're talking about community schools, STEM schools, private schools now, those charter schools. It's also impacting state institutions of higher education and very now because of a recent amendment, state retirement systems and our state agencies and all of our political 
subdivisions. So the implications of what 327 will do when we're not only looking at education in our learning institutions, but we're, when we're looking at training around biases, when we're looking at training for anti-racism in corporate America, when we're looking at, uh, looking at training for our state agencies and our political subdivisions, how that comes into play as well. When we're looking at trying to create diversity on, um, on our, our leadership boards and, and our staffs in these different state agencies and political subdivisions. This is all going to come to a screeching halt because 327 also levies incredibly harsh penalties against, uh, against people that violate the tenets of this bill. Um, some of the punishments include um, um, suspending and revoking professional licenses of our educators. Um, it also includes, which this is really just horrifying, especially in the age of the pandemic, first, second, and third violations of 327 will cause the withholding of first violation 25% of state funding. The second violation is 50% of state funding, and that third violation can incur withholding up to 100% of state funding from our districts and our um, any institution that receives uh, public state funding. So when we're looking at these districts that are already under-resourced and underfunded, penalizing these educators in these districts for teaching honest history and connecting those dots and examining those legacies of what that honest history actually does um, to our real world today is really horrifying and is an appalling way for our legislators to be governing education across the state of Ohio. And honestly, I think it gets at the real heart of this issue. It's not about what they want kids to learn or not learn. It's meant as a distraction from the actual issues facing our schools. Chief among them is the failure to provide adequate funding for an equitable and, and adequate system of common public schools. It's their constitutional mandate to do so. And if they have people afraid to teach the truth, if they have parents pointing fingers and educators under attack constantly, People aren't saying, wait a second, you failed to do your job to provide those high quality schools for our kids. That is absolutely true. And I'm so glad you you hit on that funding piece. I mean, we watched very recently when um, the State House was trying to pass the fair school funding, which had bipartisan support on it. And we could only get a two year commitment out of fair school funding. And it wasn't even the complete package that was presented in the fair school funding plan. So we have to go back and revisit trying to get this codified into law. And you are exactly right. When we're looking at honest education um, and we're looking when we're looking at tools and, and, and implementing and creating infrastructure and learning capacity and skill building, for our educators to really be culturally responsive in the classroom, that funding is right there. Um, whether it's you know funding the the training for our educators, those inclusive textbooks, um, or or whatever that curricula is going to look like, that funding is critically important. And you're absolutely right. This does stem <laughs> from the funding of public education and really trying to drive a wedge um, at who wants to participate in public education and create this push out towards 
privatized education and we when we look at constitutional funding of our public education system which was ruled unconstitutional uh, nearly 25 years ago and we are coming up on that 25 year anniversary for the Dorolf case we were charged to come up with constitutional funding and we have still failed as a state to do that and what what this is doing is causing this push out towards privatized education because we are causing the own failure of our public education system by not properly funding and resourcing our districts. That does make it interesting to me that they are also including private schools in the collateral damage from this bill. You decided you wanted to do something about this and you founded Honesty for Ohio Education. What is your group? Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't found it alone. Quite, uh, quite the opposite. In fact, what's the origin story is what we call it of honesty for Ohio education is. Um, there were several of us um, that were educators and that were already connected to or working with um, advocacy organizations that caught wind of 322 and 327 back in May. Um, I had seen it kind of catching fire before it hit our own state house and was thinking oh no, this is going to hit Ohio. And when it hits Ohio, it's going to stick. And don't you know, it did. So there were several of us that started organizing in, in our own lanes about how do we how do we combat this? How do we keep this from catching legs here in Ohio? Um, and we started loosely organizing. We started pulling in all of our own organiz organizational resources. I, um, I work closely with the uh, League of Women Voters of Ohio. I sit on their state board. I was already doing advocacy work with the, with the League and brought the League into this because as we know, public education and high quality education is the bedrock of a high functioning democracy. We have to have high quality education within our public school system. So the league was right out in, in front of this. And then we also have ACLU Ohio, Policy Matters Ohio, Innovation Ohio, um, the Ohio NAACP. We've got about 30 different organizational educational stakeholders involved in this. And as we brought more and more people into the fold to galvanize and push back around 322 and 327, we started seeing what the national landscape was. And what I mean by that is we saw this isn't only catching fire in state houses. These were concerted efforts to attack state boards of education and then our local boards of education, which we just saw in our local school board races back in November across the country, really. This became a wedge issue. So the honesty, uh, we actually kind of formalized as a statewide nonpartisan coalition and our advocacy is really trifurcated. So we have three specific lanes that we advocate for honesty and education in. We advocate at the state house um, against legislation um, that is dishonest. We advocate at our state board of education to protect social emotional learning, culturally responsive education, our wholly important whole child framework, the strategic plan that is grounded in principles of equity. And then we also advocate in our local school districts to ensure that districts that have already implemented 
diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging initiatives can continue doing that work and continue um, being funded and resourced for those efforts and those districts that haven't started that work yet, creating pathways and infrastructure where they can start onboarding those initiatives. So those are the three areas that we advocate in and very recently we've been working very closely with our um, our universities and our colleges because as we know 327 does directly impact our universities and colleges as well and a lot of these issues especially at the state house and at the state board of education they're moving targets and they're all connected they are all interconnected the advocacy needs to be very strategic and unique in each one of those lanes but they all touch one another. And what's, what's interesting about the state house issues with the legislation is we're advocating for local control. We cannot have legislators telling our local districts how to educate their own communities because we know that each district, each community has their own unique needs. But then at the same time, when I say that, when we go over to our local districts, what we were seeing with our local school board races last year is because of the local control that we're all fighting so hard for, we saw these nationally funded, these nationally backed uh, bad actors um, kind of fueling this fire um, against DEI initiatives, against inclusive education, and really wanting to roll districts back to this very harmful colorblind approach to education, which educators and sound pedagogy will tell you that is not, that is not the way to lead education um, in a local district or certainly in higher education. All of this is extremely alarming, but I will say it has also fueled a fire inside me. This is an issue that I am passionate about, and this is an issue that so many people across Ohio are passionate about because it is so alarming that this is happening in our state and now we need to put that fire into action to stop House Bill 327. We're hearing that it is uh, going to be voted out of committee relatively soon. We don't have an actual date, but there are things that people should be doing right now, today, to get ready for that moment. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that, Katie. Yes, and we are hearing that 327 is going to move quickly, and I'll tell you why. Because 327 is being used as a political campaign platform. This is not about education. This is about trying to um, trying to jockey for a position on primary ballots right now. And we have many representatives that will be running for uh, for election. And um, for many of them, th this is their dog whistle uh, to their base. So uh, what, what we're seeing is that this is going to move quickly and what we're encouraging people to do right now is to contact the House, State, and Local Government Committee. You can contact them by phone, you can email them and tell them to get this bill out of Ohio. We do not want this toxic, harmful legislation in our State House and we certainly do not want it in our 612 school districts across the state of Ohio that serve 1.7 million children. We do not want this bill. So call, contact our, our, our legislators and contact your own legislator and tell them how you feel about this divisive concept bill. And then what you can also do is you can head to our website and we have a toolkit there where it teaches you 
how to submit testimony. Now, if this bill does, uh, if the committee does call for a hearing on this bill, we're hoping that they're also going to call for the public to offer public testimony about how they feel about the bill. This is our time um, to civically engage in this process and let that committee know that we do not want this bill to pass. So we're encouraging people to submit written testimony. If you can't go down to the state house or you don't want to, you can also um, go to the state house, which is what we're really trying to do, um, and present live testimony. We, if you don't want to present testimony live, just come to the state house. We need to pack that committee room with people saying we do not want divisive concept bills in the state of Ohio. We need to fill the committee room. We need to fill the rotunda. We need to fill the front of, of the state house. We need to be out there loudly saying we are not divisive concepts. One of the things in this bill, why it's called the divisive concepts, is it clearly outlines um, to legislators it clearly outlines it's really quite vague what a divisive concept is and our stories our heritage our culture our trauma our injustices they all define as divisive concepts and they don't want them discussed honestly they don't want them taught honestly so we need to say we are not divisive concepts so again uh, contact the legislators uh, go to the state house, submit your testimony, and submit your letters to the editor and your op-eds. Use our local media as your megaphone to create surround sound about why we don't want this bill to pass. You can also head to our website. Um, we have, like I said, we have a, a very robust toolkit that walks you through each of those um, different ways that you can advocate against this bill. I think one of the things that's so important here is to remind people that the pro HB 327 crowd is loud and they've been very vocal through this process, but they are not the majority in Ohio. Ohioans stand together against this. We just need to use our voices together to make sure that is heard. That is absolutely right, Katie. And I will say national polling and Ohio polling shows we as Ohioans collectively do not want this bill. And you're absolutely right. It is this loud, very small minority of, of groups that are nationally funded and that are nationally sponsored that are, are kind of driving this misinformation campaign. And we cannot sit back and be passive actors in this. We have to get out in front of this. If you believe in honest education, then get out and get out there and show up for honest education. It is not enough to sit and read news articles about it and comment about it in the blog. We all need to head to the state house. We need to show up for our educators in our local districts, go to your local school board meetings and support honest education at all three levels and head to the state board of education meetings, those monthly meetings as well, because honest education is being attacked there as well. And yes, as Ohioans collectively, as students, as families, as community members, as corporate corporate businesses, as faith communities, uh, as educators, we do not want this bill. We just have to be very active about advocating against it. What is the level of alarm right now? If, if we're using the fire alarm uh, analogy here, one alarm is, hey, this is pretty concerning. 
five alarm is all hands on deck right now. Let's go. We cannot let this go an inch further in the state house. Where are we? I would say, Katie, this is a 10 alarm fire. <laughs> if I can oh extrapolate gosh. a bit. Yeah. Yes. This is this is very important. We cannot signal to anyone that that we are going to allow our elected legislators, our elected leaders to weaponize public education. Every day that goes back that we are not being vocal and fighting against this legislation is another day that we are allowing these legislators to weaponize our children's freedom to learn in the classroom. And we, I also want to say, especially on, in, on the OEA podcast, we have to protect our educators. Our educators are being pushed out of their positions. The, the, we also need to talk about this chilling effect because of the punitive measures that this is having on, on educators and the trauma that it is creating in the middle of a pandemic. This is the time when we need to be embracing our educators and caring for our educators and showing our educators how much we appreciate and love all of the heavy lifting that they have done before the pandemic and during the pandemic. This is a time for compassion and care, not causing trauma, fear, and intimidation in the classroom. So th th this is another lever that we need to be pushing and, 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 and pulling on is, is this teacher shortage crisis that this is also helping to perpetuate. Not only people you know, being afraid of being un under constant attack, not wanting to stay in their classrooms. We can't get people into the classrooms. We already have a recruitment crisis when it comes to bringing new educators in. If you are going to make this such a difficult profession to stay in, how are we supposed to get new educators in? This is, this is absolutely true. This is absolutely true. And when you're looking at public education and really policing and censoring how our very brave and bold educators have been doing this work, not only are they just leaving public education, but they're just leaving the teaching profession altogether. And then what, what this is causing, if anyone paid attention to our last census, which caused the reapportionment and we lost a, we lost a district, People are leaving the state of Ohio for better education opportunities and employment opportunities because the other thing that we need to talk about is the pipeline that our state education, our public education system is creating for a workforce. When you look at a 2030 workforce, one of the top job skills that, that businesses are looking for are those, are those interpersonal relationship building tools. And if if we are stymieing and if we are preventing our students from being cross-cultural students, that, that, that international lens, that multiculturalism lens, and not learning about all the facets of our history and how we, we all come together um, and how, you know, historically oppression, injustices, um, how those connect to how we behave now, we will never be able to start addressing the current issues that we have in front of us today, which does not make for a very good 
employee in a global workforce. So we need to press on the, on that social emotional lever. We need to create students and and um, and employees that can communicate across cultural boundaries across across cultural communities. Um, so this is this is really impacting a lot. It's not just what's happening in the classroom. It, it's impacting our workforce. It's impacting the flight of businesses out of the state of Ohio. It's impacting families leaving the state of Ohio, and it's impacting our democracy. Uh, we need an educated electorate to vote in leaders that represent what we want to see. Um, in the state house and in our local elected offices. And that begins with education. That begins with public education. People should not have to leave to privatized education to get a high quality education that is grounded in facts, that is grounded in thorough research, and that is grounded in honesty and diverse perspectives. If these lawmakers have their way, you couldn't get that in private education either because they have That's weaponized right. all education. Cynthia Peoples, thank you, thank you, thank you for explaining this. You're welcome. You're welcome, Katie. For that toolkit Cynthia mentioned and a lot more information, you can go to honestyforohioeducation.info. The link is in the episode notes for this podcast. Next week, we're digging into a new children's book all about building confidence and self-esteem. New episodes drop every Thursday. Until next time, stay well. Stay well.